0: If you got your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, turn to the book of Matthew with me. Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament. So if you're new to the Bible, that's where you'll find it. And we're going to be in chapter 13 today. In fact, over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. So for your own homework and personal study... If you want to kind of live in Matthew 13 over the next few weeks, I think that will be very beneficial to all of us as we dive into some of these kingdom parables from Jesus. Today we're going to be studying specifically verses 1 through 23. So, giving you a chance just to turn there, and I'm going to read through that entire passage Matthew 13, 1 through 23. Are you ready? since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, "...to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven... ...but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see... ...and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says... "...you will indeed hear, but never understand." And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then... in another 60, and in another 30. Can we pray? Father, we love you, and we are grateful for your word. I pray that today your word would be clear. Help us to have eyes and ears that will see and hear and understand appropriately, properly. Teach us what you want us to know. We cannot understand it without your help. Amen. So Matthew 13, this is kind of a confusing chapter, it can be, there are a lot of parables in this chapter, and over the course of the next four weeks we're going to try to to spend some time with most of them, Um, but even though it's confusing and can be, um, I think it's very important for us to study and learn because I think it's very applicable for the way we live our Christian lives, okay? So, Matthew 13, if you remember, kind of to get us to where we are in the story, early in the book of Matthew, around chapter three, I believe, a guy named John the Baptist shows up on the scene and he had a message for the people. What was his message? He said, Repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, this is a big deal because if you've read the Old Testament, this guy, this Messiah, this king that would come and bring in this new kingdom, it was going to be a huge deal. ...for the Israel people, okay? The people of Israel, God's people that he had rescued... ...the the main characters kind of of the Old Testament... ...they were waiting for him to bring back the heyday of Israel, okay? So it was a big deal that John the Baptist showed up and he baptized Jesus, okay? But here we are all the way in Matthew 13... ...and to be honest, not really that much has happened. I mean, Jesus has got a few followers... ...and he's healed some people and done some really neat things, but... um, you know, these people were expecting a king to come, a conqueror, set up a new kingdom, make them the most popular people in the world, and to be honest, really, things weren't going the way that they thought they were going to go, okay? And here we are all the way in chapter 13. In fact, um, in Matthew 11, even John the Baptist was wondering, are, are you sure that you're the Messiah? Remember, he, was, he sent messengers from jail to Jesus and said, hey, just want to make sure um, you're the guy we're supposed to be following, right? Because it doesn't really seem like you're doing all the things we thought you were going to do. And then in Matthew 12, the very next chapter... ...the Pharisees and those guys... ...they decided to get together and start planning on how to kill Jesus. Okay, so th- we're at Matthew 13... ...and things are not going the way that people had planned. Now, for our setting today... ...for this chapter 13 where Jesus is telling these parables... ...there is a bay... Um, ...you can go to it today. I mean, probably not today... ...but if sometime today or tomorrow, this week... ...you could go to the Sea of Galilee... And you would see this bay right here. And most people believe that this is where Jesus taught these parables from Matthew 13. This is actually known as the Sower's Cove or the Bay of the Parables. And and it's known for its acoustic abilities because it's been researched and proven that that hill is actually really big. It's hard to tell. Obviously, that street back there was probably not there the day that in Matthew 13. But if... If you stood on the other side of that road, that that hillside could be filled with around 7,000 people. And they say that someone standing at the water, because of the water carrying the sound and the hill, those 7,000 people could hear that man speaking with no microphone or anything. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. I mean, I'm loud. You guys can probably hear, but not everybody. You can even hear in this room if I was no microphone. So that's amazing. So if you can just picture Jesus pushing out in a little boat, sitting there in the water, speaking to these people. And it's actually really neat because this area there has a little bit of everything. It's got nice black soil. It's got thorns and thistles. It's got rocky ground. And so I can just picture Jesus telling this parable and even pointing. You know, here's some of this soil or this rocky ground or these thorns. And he was teaching them as he was going along. Pretty neat. So that's our setting, okay? And as we begin this series, walking through some of these kingdom parables... I want to start um, today by answering two questions. So that way it kind of gets us into this series of these parables. The first question is, what is a parable? Okay, what is a parable? We don't usually use that type of teaching these days, whether you're a school teacher or or teaching like this. Or, um, I don't know, maybe if you're real creative, you might use parables at home with your kids, but they'll probably just look at you weird. So a parable is just simply put for us, an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. Okay, usually using a simile. Does anybody remember from elementary school what a simile is? My wife told me last night, she's a fifth grade teacher, that a simile is a comparison of two things using like or as. Is that right? A simile is a comparison of two things using like or as. And so a parable is an earthly story with a spiritual meaning, oftentimes using a simile. Okay? Okay? Now, the meaning is not always immediately obvious. Okay, that's important to know. In fact, you might be wondering if we would not have read the explanation already what this whole thing was about, all these seeds and soils. Okay, so that's what a parable is. The second thing I want to answer is, why parables? Why did Jesus teach them parables? Why didn't he just tell them, you know, what he wanted them to know? What's the deal with all this creative secrecy? In fact, this is the question that the disciples asked. Look in verse 10. The disciples came to him. This is so funny. The disciples were always trying to help Jesus with his ministry. Do you notice that? They were the marketing geniuses. And Jesus would begin to talk. and, And they would think, I know how this could be better. And this is the third kind of long teaching time in the book of Matthew already. So the first one was Matthew 5 through 7. Remember that? The Sermon on the Mount. Pretty famous sermon of Jesus. He taught for a long time. And then in Matthew 10, he kind of taught all the disciples. He was getting ready to send them out. And so he had his teaching time. So this is kind of Jesus' third discourse in the book of Matthew. So the disciples, they've kind of gotten used to his routine. Okay, so I can picture those guys, Peter and James, John, you know, they see Jesus get in the boat and sit down, which, by the way, that's the, the natural posture back then for the teacher. The guy teaching would sit down, everybody else would stand up and listen. And so they were thinking, oh, here we go, okay. This is going to be one of those days where he teaches for a while. And, you know, I've been hearing rumors, you know, some of these guys aren't liking Jesus. And we're kind of, you know, we're connected to him. And they might try to kill us too. And really, ever since the beginning, things have kind of been tapering off, the excitement. This is going to be a good day. You know, he's going to get in that boat. There's a big big crowd here. And he's going to say something emotional and get them riled up. And then we're going to have lots of people join the team today. And from here on, things are going to start looking up. And then Jesus goes, there was a sower, and he's throwing seeds and this soil. And Peter's like, oh, no. And Jesus gets to the end of his story, and he just says, period. He doesn't even explain it. And so these guys, these disciples, maybe Peter, um, he says, he takes this chance to interrupt Jesus. So verse 10, the disciples came to him. So they, they go to the edge of the water. Up. Jesus can't only really have a word. Um, Why are you talking to them in parables? You know, we got this great crowd here. You know, we're not really popular. This would be a good day to say something, you know, important. You know, not talk about um, farming. And Jesus answers them. He says this. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. This is a really neat word, this word secrets. Jesus said, your version might say mystery... This secret, he's talking about something that was not known before. Not known in the Old Testament. And now it's starting to be revealed. And he says to the disciples, to you it's been given to know these secrets. The Apostle Paul uses this word at the end of his letter to the Romans. Listen to this in Romans 16. Paul says, now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preachings of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery... ...that was kept secret for long ages... ...but has now been disclosed... ...and through the prophetic writings... ...has been made known to all nations... ...according to the command of the eternal God. Why? To bring about the obedience of faith. So God has given the command throughout time... ...at this point in time... ...that the secrets or the mystery... ...of the kingdom of God would begin to be revealed. Why? For the purpose of obedience through faith in that. Okay? So Jesus is speaking to them in parables, and he's got his reasons here. OK? Now we find out in verse 34, if you look down to verse 34, of Matthew, that's not part of our story today, but he says, "All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, He said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables." I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. That passage is from Psalm 78. So King David... Okay, David, David and Goliath, that David, King David... 100s of years earlier in Psalm 78... ...had written down prophesying about the coming Messiah... ...that he would speak in parables. So it's pretty neat because here in Matthew 13... ...Jesus is actually fulfilling that prophecy... ...by teaching in parables. Pretty neat. But I got two answers for why parables. Number one, Jesus spoke to the people in parables this day... ...to reveal truth about the kingdom. Showing God's mercy. Okay? He says to the disciples... To you it has been given to know the seekers. Who gave them this knowledge? God the Father. The disciples didn't get chosen because they were ultra-righteous. Okay? It was God's mercy who chose them to know how to understand the message of the kingdom when they heard it. Okay? But to them it's not been given. For to the one who has, for the one who has this knowledge to understand the kingdom, more will be given. This isn't a verse about if you got money, you'll get more money. Okay, just so we're clear. For to the one who has this knowledge, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, not the knowledge to understand about the message of the kingdom, even what he has will be taken away. You see, Jesus is revealing truth about the kingdom because when people who have the knowledge of the way to understand the, key, the message of the kingdom, they understand. God has given their eyes to be open, their ears to be open, and listening and understanding, a mind that can understand. He's shown them mercy, not because they're too smart, not because they were great. I mean, have you ever wondered why when you look at the cross that you see forgiveness of sins and eternal life? And when your neighbor or family member or friend looks at the cross, they just see foolishness? Is it because you are less sinful than they are? Is it because you more deserve heaven and eternal life than they do? No, it's because of God's mercy. And only because of God's mercy that your eyes have been opened and ears have been opened to understand the message of the kingdom. Amen? Not because of anything that we have done. So he's revealing truth about the kingdom, showing God's mercy. But the second thing Jesus does by teaching in parables is that he conceals truth about the kingdom, showing God's judgment. Look what he says in verse 12. For to the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Remember in Isaiah six, Isaiah's great commissioning when when he said when God said, Who will go? And Isaiah said, I will go send me, and and the angels came with the charcoal from the fire and touched his lips. Remember that? And then right after that, God told Isaiah, he said, Isaiah, you're going to go and you're going to preach, and there's going to be people that they're not going to hear what you have to say. They're not going to see what you try to show them, because their hearts have grown dull. And Jesus says, today, in Matthew 13, the people on this hill, the group that's a mixture of people that can hear and can't hear, the group of people that are following him, receiving the message of the kingdom, and the group of those who are not following him, rejecting the message of the kingdom, they are today fulfilling the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 6. It's amazing to me when stuff like this happens. So God, Jesus, is speaking about God's kingdom, number one, in parables, to reveal the truth about kingdom, showing God's mercy, and number two, to conceal truth about the kingdom, showing God's judgment. He's saying there is going to come a day where there will be a separation between those who have received it and those who have rejected it. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a parable next Sunday, so don't miss. So, we're going to spend the majority of the rest of our time here with this explanation. Because it would not make sense for us to talk about this parable and then not talk about Jesus' explanation. I want you to hear an important thing in in verse 18 and 19. Jesus then, still in private with the disciples, by the way. So he hasn't gone back to talking to the big crowd, okay? This was a private conversation going on between Jesus and the disciples. Remember when they interrupted him? And he continues talking to them. He's saying, blessed are your eyes, because you hear and, and understand, okay? And then he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears what? The word of the kingdom. Your Bible might say the word of God. Your Bible might say the message of the kingdom. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, I want you to know right now, Christian, you don't get to choose what the seed is. As a church family, we don't get to choose what the seed is. We don't say, you know what? What would really get people to come through these doors is this really cool program or this type of music. Or this really entertaining guy that will come in and talk about stuff that's funny... ...but also do it in a Christian way or something like that. No, the seed is the word of the kingdom. It's God's word. It's the words that have been inscriptured into this, into this book. That's it. That's why every single Sunday we get together, we're going to open up this book. Not any other book. This is the seed. And this is what we sow. And he keeps saying it. As for the one that's sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word... Okay, it's for the one stone among thorns. It's the one who hears the word. It's the word. So I want you to know that the seed in this parable is the word of God. It's the word of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom. And Jesus says that the problem of rejecting Jesus and his kingdom is not with the seed. The Bible doesn't get old. It doesn't get irrelevant. It doesn't become not important. We don't need to listen to everyone else's opinion because the Bible is not nearly as as culturally relevant anymore as it used to be. And so we should really just find guys and girls that say stuff in a way that I understand. No, this is the only thing that doesn't change. And he says the, the problem is not with the seed or with the sower, but it's with the soil or the human heart. So the question for you today, and as we walk through these different soils or these different types of hearts is... What kind of heart do you have? What kind of heart do you have? As we explain through these different types of soils, I want you to be listening for, oh yeah, that might be the kind of heart I have. The first heart is the hard heart. In verse 19, Jesus says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, Satan, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. This idea of a hard heart is not new to Scripture. In fact, the very second book of the Bible, Exodus, do you remember when God sent Moses to Egypt to save his people from slavery? And he told him to go to the king of Egypt. Do you remember his name? Pharaoh. And he said, Pharaoh, I would really appreciate it if you'd let God's people not be your slaves anymore. And what did Pharaoh say? No. Why? Because God did what to his heart? He hardened his heart. And then God began to send the plagues, one at a time, ten of them. These huge, miraculous signs. Okay? And each time, Pharaoh said, No, no, not enough for me. Finally, the tenth plague comes. Pharaoh himself loses his very own firstborn son. And for a moment, his heart is soft enough to go, okay, just go, get out, he's hurt. It doesn't take but a few minutes before he changes his mind, because his heart is hard, and he chases him down. What did it cost Pharaoh? It cost him his life. The guy drowned in the sea, crossing the river. Why? Because his heart was hard, and he rejected the message of the kingdom. When we have a hard heart, that's the same thing that happens to us. If we reject God's message of the kingdom long enough, at the end of our life, we are separated from God for eternity. We come into a service like this. Maybe the message of the kingdom goes in one ear and right out the other. Maybe we're more concerned with what's coming up this afternoon or whatever it is. Maybe someone as a child, a friend of yours told you about his friend named Jesus and you didn't want to hear anything about it. Whatever the story is, for whatever reason, sometimes people's hearts are hard and they don't even understand or hear the message at all. And the Bible says that the evil one comes and whatever was in there, he just wipes it out and takes it away. And that person has never had a heart change. Number one is the hard heart. Number two is the superficial heart. Look at what Jesus says in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. But he endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now this is a very interesting the seed that would have been thrown on rocky ground, there must have been a little bit of soil on top, but the rocks underneath it instead of lots of soil, and they were hot, and so because of the heat, the, the seed grew up real quick, but it had no roots, so when the sun hit it, it scorched and withered away. Does that make sense? I'm not a farmer, but I've checked, and Sydney said that could be um, true. So this, this makes me remember youth ministry. Because Brooke and I used to serve in student ministry. We ministered to thousands of kids across this country. The message of the kingdom would be announced. There would be some excitement. and kids would come down the aisle. And they wanted it. It sounded good. And then a few years later, you would hear stories from those youth ministers about, Yeah, that, that kid doesn't come anymore. They fell away. They, they, whatever the term was that they wanted to use about it. What happened was, no, they just withered when things got hard. Because there was no root. There was actually nothing that changed in their life. As sure as they were that that day that they wanted it, three years later, they're just as sure that they don't want to have anything to do with God or the Bible because something happened. Okay, they were hurt. Something happened they couldn't believe. Something happened that broke trust. Something happened, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe when you remember walking down a Nile, some pastor said, everybody stand close your eyes, bow your head, and if you want Jesus, come down here and say a prayer. And years later, that act of walking the aisle and saying a prayer means nothing to you. What happened? Were you not serious? Well, you were serious enough to walk the aisle. There must have been something that was in you that wanted this. You heard the message of the kingdom. You wanted it, but there was no root. And when things started to happen that were troubling, hard times, maybe someone made fun of you for trying to become a Christian. That happens all the time in middle school and high school. Probably happens with adulthood, too. And maybe you decide you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm just not strong enough. You ever heard somebody go, well, I tried that. This might be for you, but it's just not for me. I think that's what's happening here with the rocky soil. The great uh, preacher George Whitfield, he was, he was a preacher during the Great Awakening, all the revivals that were happening. And someone once asked him after preaching this great revival service, you know, how many people got saved, George? And he said, I don't know, we'll see in a few years. And he wasn't saying that you got to earn your salvation. He was just saying that it would take time for true salvation to be demonstrated. It's not that once you get saved, then now you got to do A, B, C, D, and E to make sure that it actually took. It's just that once you get saved, things begin to change in your life, and fruit's going to show. Okay? Does that make sense? I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm just saying sometimes it just takes time. That's probably why we're... Uh, exhorted to not put brand new Christians into big places of ministry and leadership because we're afraid that that might be too much of a struggle for them and it will help them wither rather than help them to grow. Does that make sense? It's all about helping that seed to grow. Number three is the divided heart. This is the one that personally scares me the most. Look what Jesus says in verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. There's no room for the message of the kingdom in a divided heart. The message of the kingdom takes your whole heart. And I'm telling you, this is a strong warning for people, especially living in America. Because I'll tell you, you may not think you got much compared to those sitting right around you, but compared to those around the world, we got a lot. And the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of money and consuming things, it is a real, real threat to the message of the kingdom in our heart. You may not even know that it it's happening to you until it's too late. There's, a, there's kind of a story like as the seed is growing up, the thorn doesn't immediately choke it out. It kind of does it over time. It kind of almost unknowingly Until it's too late. And the same thing can happen to us, just like a thorn that doesn't choke, but gradually the desire for consumption of money and things will divide and eventually it will destroy your heart. Now, I gotta say, in my personal life, I don't believe I'm a hard heart person. There was something that happened in my life at the age of 15 that completely changed me. And because I'm now in my 40s, I don't think I'm a superficial heart because it's lasted. And I'm, you know, I'm still loving God and, and His Word, and I want to keep growing. But man, this scares me about the divided heart, because every day I look around, and there's all kinds of stuff in this world vying for my attention, wanting me to put down the Word and pick up something else. Do you feel that threat? Or is it just me? Man, it's everywhere. The desire for money and consumption of things, or homes, or cars, or, or, or whatever it is, success... Those are real desires, and, and Jesus is warning the Christian here. There's no room for the message of the kingdom in a divided heart. Number four is the fruitful heart. Look at verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another sixty. And in another 30. He hears the word and understands it. And then he bears fruit. Doesn't say he, he can memorize every word of it. Doesn't say he can speak in Hebrew and Greek. Doesn't say he understands every word equally. It just says that he understands the message of the kingdom. The gospel message. The message that they know I'm a sinner. And the only way I'm getting to the other side is by receiving Jesus' righteousness. Because he was perfect and there's no way that I'll be. And I'll accept his his payment for my sin on the cross. They understand that message and then they begin to bear fruit. Now, the measure of that fruit will be different based on the person. That's why he's saying some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, but there will be fruit. And the fruit in that life will be evident. You know, you ever looked at someone and said, Man, there's something different about that person. You ever noticed that something spiritually was happening? They're beginning to change. You don't look and go, oh my goodness, that person became Billy Graham. No, you just say there's something different about that person. Little at a time, God's changing them. They're starting to make choices that are different than the choices they used to make. Things are becoming important to them that used to not be important, or less important to them, the things that used to be really important. The things are just changing. There's fruit in their life. When you have a conversation with them, you still talk about all the good stuff and fun stuff, but then every once in a while, the, the conversation begins to turn spiritual. Something's going on in their life because it has to come out of them. So I'm asking you the question today, what kind of heart do you have? Do you have a hard heart? Are you ready to get out of here right now? I mean, are you, are you, can you not wait for this, that sometimes the message of the kingdom it almost like gives you a headache because your heart is so hard that you don't even want to hear it? Or do you have a superficial heart? Is there something that happened in your past? Some sort of emotional response to a message, something like this. But yet it really doesn't mean anything to you anymore. You don't talk to anyone about it. It had not changed who you are. Nothing's happened in your heart. There's no fruit in your life. You know, the reason I don't always try to tell everybody, hey, bow your heads, close your eyes, and if you want to receive Jesus, come down here and do a dance or something because I don't really know what's happening in your heart. I don't even know if you know what's happening in your heart. I mean, when I was six, I said something. But when I was 15, something happened in my life that made a change. Does that make sense? I want you to decide for yourself, do I want to have a soft heart so that I understand the message of the kingdom and begin to live like Jesus is actually the Lord of my life? Becoming a Christian isn't supposed to be easy. In fact, most of Jesus' messages make it sound like it's going to be really hard. Becoming a Christian isn't about you getting out of poverty. It's not about you being more successful in your business. Well, maybe if I try Jesus, things will go my way. That's not at all a biblical message. Do you have a divided heart? Do half the days you wake up excited about God and His Word and half the days you wake up excited about making money or being successful... Are you worried about what God thinks about you and who He says your identity is? Or are you worried about who the people you work with say you are? Where do you get your identity from? There's no room in a divided heart for the message of the kingdom. Or do you have a fruitful heart? I'm not asking you if you're perfect. I'm not asking you if you're sinless. I'm not asking you if you deserve heaven because we know we don't. But has something happened in your heart that's changed you? Have you begun to... To live in a kingdom-minded way where you wake up and you're trying your best to live in a way that pleases the Lord. I love it when we pray around the table. I just pray for us as the kids and, and, and me and Brooke that we would just live in a way that makes God happy. I want Him to be happy with who we are because we're His children. Not because I want to earn His love. I can't. Not because I want to earn His salvation. We definitely can't do that. I just, I just want to please my Father. Well, I think that's fruit in my heart. And I want to tell other people about that. I think that's fruit. Not trying to be a famous preacher or preach to tens of thousands of people, not keeping score. I just just want to do what, what the seed is supposed to do in my life. Are you rejecting the kingdom today? Two people in this room someone who's rejecting the kingdom, someone who has already accepted the kingdom. There's really no in-between. If you're rejecting the message of the kingdom, if you've had a hard heart for many years, or or if your heart was superficial, why not make it real today? I'm not going to ask you to stand up, raise your hand, walk an aisle, or anything like that, but but why not make it real today? Ask God to soften your heart. If you think that you might have a hard heart, ask Him to soften it. Man, I bet you money He would do it. He, he, he would love for you to say, God, soften my heart so I can understand your message of the kingdom. I mean, he longs for that. Why else do you think he's waiting 2,000 years plus to come back? The Bible says he wants as many as possible to come to a saving knowledge of him. He's not mean God. He's loving God. He's waiting for you. Ask him, God, soften my heart so I'll understand. doesn't have to be real intelligent. Just say, soften my heart so i kingdom of the message of the kingdom. Trust in Jesus' death on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and receive eternal life. It's as simple as that. You don't have to figure it out first. You don't have to quit sinning first. Okay? Please don't believe that. Please don't believe that once you quit cussing, then you can come to Jesus. Just, thank you, just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. He will start to clean us little at a time over time. I promise you, he began to make changes in your life. Okay? Christian, the other person in the room, you know you're a Christian. You've received the message of the kingdom. Jesus' message to us today is don't stop sowing the seed. I really wanted y'all to hear from Clint because I wanted you to hear about what's going on there. Man, they started with nothing. They moved there, couldn't talk the language or anything like that. Met a few people. They speak the language. They got kids living there now. They didn't even have kids when they went. They've planted a church. They've planted a second church. People are coming to know the Lord. They baptize people in the Baltic Sea all the time. I mean, how awesome is that? Why? Because they sow the seed. They learned how to speak the seed in their language, and, and, they, and they throw the seed. And Jesus, his message to us Christians today is don't stop throwing the seed. That's one of the ways that we can be fruitful. There's lots of ways to be fruitful. We can serve this week. with plugged in. Serve the people in our community. We can serve food over here, but one of my favorite ways to be fruitful is by sowing the seed of the kingdom, sharing the gospel message with those around us, praying that their heart would be soft enough to hear and understand it. Do you do that? When you do mention the kingdom with someone, do you then pray for that person that their heart would be soft? That's a big part of it, because God apparently has the, is the one that makes the heart the heart either hard or soft. So when you share the message with someone. Immediately say a prayer in your heart and say, God, soften their heart so they hear what I'm saying. It's not, it's not my ideas, it's yours, and I want them to know it. Pray for that person. God, soften their heart. You know, this morning, we're going to end our time uh, experiencing something that's awesome, a celebration of baptism. You know, I was just told this morning that this horse trough, it was the first thing we ever bought with Heritage Money, by the way. Um, isn't that wonderful? Twelve years ago. It was Jerry that went and picked it up and put it at the middle school for us. So that's, that's part of his legacy, okay? And in a minute, we got someone going to get in it. This is the result of people sowing the seed, 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 until eventually God softened this person's heart to receive the message of the kingdom, amen? I want you to watch this video.